This presentation is from Managing Design 2017, held in Melbourne. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. So this is uh, Lawrence and Jenny. They're from the customer experience company. Um, and their title is very self-descriptive. They're going to tell you about <laughs> strategies for growing experience in your design team. Thank you very much. Thank you, Donna. I guess, <laughs> I guess we don't really need to introduce the topic then, but uh, I'm Lawrence. And I'm Jenny. Uh, and we're from the Customer Experience Company, or CEC for short, because it's a mouthful. Um, but we do customer experience from end-to-end, -end, uh, so strategy, design, implementation, culture, measurement. Uh, and we're going to talk about growing experience in teams. So before we kick off, we're going to do a little poll in the room, just a sort of show of hands poll. Um, so put up your hand if you've seen someone today who you've uh, worked with before elsewhere. That's quite a lot, I think. Uh, twice or more? <laughs> okay, so just hold that thought because we'll come back to the significance of that uh, towards the end. Um, we're going to talk today about three strategies and just to introduce them quickly and we'll come back in more detail. Um, those strategies are uh, going to go a different order. Grow, which is bring people in and train them up effectively. Um, buy, which we define as bringing in ready skills, so skills from within the industry and then applying them in your situation. Uh, and then an interesting third strategy, which is adapt, which is about hiring from outside the industry at a more senior level uh, and then bringing, and, uh, cross training them. So um, we'll start with Jenny's story because Jenny is relatively new to CEC um, and I think it's a pretty good example of the buy strategy and so we'll hear her story. Hi everyone, so that's me. Unlike Lawrence, I'm not a seasoned presenter. In fact, I've never presented to this many people in my life before, so <laughs> I've got notes. So, um, yes, like Lawrence said, I'm an example of the buy strategy. I've got over 20 years' experience in countries like London and New York and all over the world. But um, I came back to Sydney, because this is where I'm from, Australia, and I joined CEC just about three months ago. And on the first day I joined, I realised that I'd actually joined a company where the values are real. You know, they're woven into the fabric of CEC. We use them every day. We benchmark our projects against them. We benchmark our people against them. You know, they're absolutely vital to how you do your job. So my job really requires me to be part of, you know, it requires me to absorb the company values. They're well articulated, but just because... I can read them, that doesn't mean there's no lead time for me to understand how to work within them. So even though I've been working there for a few months, you know, I'm still learning how to use the CEC values in a way that I work within them and just not alongside them. So I'm going to slip to the next slide. With um, so I'm not going to bore you with my story. Um, maybe you can come to me in the break. Um, so I'm going to talk about Courtney's story instead. Um, so Courtney is also fairly new to CEC. She's been with us for about two months. Uh, and she arrived at a pretty lucky time. Uh, and that is that she sat down on her first day, and on day two, someone came and tapped her on the shoulder and said, Courtney, we need you on a project. Um, and uh, so her background is, uh, is design, just recently graduated from industrial design at UTS. Um, and before starting at CEC, has really only worked in hospitality roles and not in industry roles. Um, 
we, uh, we threw on a project which was a design project, or uh, sorry, a research project, small but quite prominent. Uh, and within a couple of weeks, she was conducting research, analyzing research, and even standing up in front of a fairly formidable client uh, in the government space and, uh, and talking about some of the findings that they had found uh, in their team. So we paired her with someone a little more experienced who could guide her on that journey. But the philosophy we have at CEC when it comes to junior people is hire smart people, uh, people who've got a good kind of background, a suitable background, so often from design schools, psychology schools, with some sort of technical background depending on their role, um, or perhaps from a business-orientated role where they're looking to switch over into something a little bit different in an early stage of their career. And we throw them in the deep end and we let them grow as quickly as they can. We mentor them through that process with a little bit of formal learning um, through that as well. So we found that to be quite a successful way to grow talent in the organisation given enough time. So this coming, is you, Jenny. coming back to my story. Um, and, you know, the need for me to find out how to work within the culture, not next to it. I found I've had to go a bit beginner's mind since I joined the company, especially when I'm working with people like Courtney or more junior people, because, you know, these people may be more junior than me work-wise, but they've already absorbed the values. They live and breathe the fabric of CEC in ways that I don't yet. So there are times when I thought, shit, how do I actually guide somebody about how to do their job, because I can't just say, well, at Skype we always did ABC, or Intel we did XYZ, because, you know, I'm not working at Skype, I'm not working at Intel at the moment, I'm working at CEC, and CEC has a particular way of doing things, it's part of how it sells itself, its value proposition, so, you know, I can't just insert my way of doing things into helping people grow, so, you know, it really brings to light a key challenge for hiring senior people is that you need to get the right cultural fit. If you just bring in expertise and don't hire for culture, you really risk sending people into tailspins of confusion, you know. How to, you just, it's not just a question of experience, it's a question of culture and a question of understanding ways to work within culture. So I think uh, Jenny's touched on two of these bubbles, and we all love a Venn diagram, I know. Um, and that is design expertise or domain expertise more broadly um, and cultural fit. And then the third bubble here is commercial experience. Uh, and so anybody who is going and standing up in front of a client, we've heard a few stories about this today, um, knows that design is not about just doing good work but it's about selling that work. Uh, and not just selling projects but selling the outcomes of the work. And so commercial experience is very important as people become more senior. Um, so that leads us to our third strategy, um, and, uh, and this offers a lot of hope in that if we can get people who already have the right cultural fit potentially, um, and they have commercial experience but they're lacking in that specific domain knowledge, then perhaps we can adapt them, we can cross-train them, and we can bring an outside <laughs> perspective. Uh, we can maybe even keep ourselves a little bit more honest, because I think that even though there's a multitude of different organisations in our industry, as we've seen from the show of hands, there is quite a lot of, uh, what you say, inbreeding, <laughs> might be a word for it. Um, there's a lot of sharing uh, amongst the organisations and there is a risk that we'll start to all think the same way and there is potentially an advantage in bringing outside perspectives uh, into, into the way that we think from other industries. 
George's throw over to me again. I'm starting to feel a bit like we're Bill and Ben the Falcon men. We're just <laughs> tagging. Um, George, which is not his real name, is an example of the ADAPT strategy. George had good business experience. He was enthusiastic. He was proactive. You know, he was um, really keen to learn about scene service design, so we thought we'd bring him in and train him up. It seemed like a really good idea with his background and expertise, you know. Bring him in as a service designer was quite a compelling ex prospect, but unfortunately, George no longer works for us. We knew that he was a risky hire. I think Lawrence touched on that. Then we had some lessons learned. The first is that we still believe in the strategy. But, and we know that when it will work, you know, it really strengthens the team and builds it up, so we'll try it again. But the next time, we're going to be more aware of the cultural chasm of hiring outside a domain. Because, as a, excuse me, <laughs> the culture I'm talking about here is different to the cor corporate culture that I'm currently learning. It's, for Georgia, it was a practice-based culture. You know, as CX professionals, we take user-centric design for granted. We know its language, we know its methods, we know its tools. But for George, design thinking was a paradigm shift. We put him on a project and he floundered. We expected that, that was okay. We didn't expect him to be fluent straight off. But what we didn't appreciate was how frustrating that would be for George. He was used to being senior and this disparate thing of being senior in some ways and really junior in other ways, it really threw him. It was a real cognitive dissonance. And so, unfortunately, he doesn't work for us anymore. And that's partly on us, really. We didn't set realistic expectations. We probably didn't work hard enough to grow his skills as quickly, <coughs> catch up with his level of seniority, so that he didn't have to go through this whole dissonant time. And so the next time we hire people, we're going to cross-train them, and we'll work harder to manage expectations and grow skills. Um, so talking about this presentation yesterday with one of our people in our Melbourne office, um, he put it quite succinctly and he said, really, it's taken for granted amongst the design community that if you create the right kind of experience and if you look after your customers and, and uh, work from your customers' perspective, then the money will come or the success will come later. But that's not necessarily a fundamental belief that exists outside of our realm. Uh, and if people are not going to buy into that fundamental belief, it's going to be quite a hard uh, job to try to bring them across to that way of thinking. <laughs> So just to summarise some of the benefits and perhaps risks of these three strategies. Um, so the benefits of growing young talent um, in the organisation. Firstly, the cultural fit is, uh, is something that happens fairly naturally. They grow into that culture. They start with fewer expectations uh, and learn as they go, similarly learning the right sorts of skills and the right ways of working uh, that fit with the organisation. Um, young people who are on the early pathway in their career tend to be very enthusiastic and bring a lot of youthful energy into the job that they do, which is really fantastic, and we all need that uh, in our organisations. Um, some of the risks are that this is a long-term investment. So you need to spend the time to grow that talent. You can't just go straight out to market and expect it to perform in a high level of, uh, of work. Um, the risk is that you might spend a lot of effort and time building this experience, building up young people, and then they get poached, uh, which has happened to us from time to time. Um, I think we're doing a, a pretty good job of bringing new talent and, uh, and getting them ready for our competitors to come and, uh, or our clients to come and take them away. Um, buy. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so the benefits of, um, of buy are that you get that experience and expertise in fast. And sometimes, let's face it, you've got work coming in the door, projects piling up, you just need that fast time to action. Um, you don't really have a lot of choice. Um, you can get complementary experience, and that is that there are different ways that other sorts of organisations or from a client's agency side uh, work, and so you can start to build, build that sort of broader experience or broader perspective on the ways of doing things so you don't repeat the same patterns. Um, the risks are, and I think as we've seen from our show of hands demonstration, that let's admit we have a little bit of a small pool in our industry in Australia, um, and even perhaps globally in some of these very specific areas of design that we're practising in. Uh, and so it is a bit of an ill-sum game. We can't just keep hiring each other's senior people round and round, or it's going to run out of... It's like perpetual motion. It's going to run out of energy. Um, perhaps there's a risk of reputation. If you have a senior person come on board who's quite connected within the industry, and for whatever reason things don't quite work out, then there's more of a reputation risk than, say, a fresh junior or someone from outside the industry. Adapt. Broader perspectives. Large pool. Building the industry um, with, uh, with a lot more material to work from. But the risks there of cultural alignment when you're coming from outside of a known uh, way of thinking in industry. Um, and there's also a bit of a financial risk there, and that is that while a young person, you can start on a fairly low salary as they grow and, and uh, learn. If you're hiring senior, then there's a certain expectation there, perhaps, uh, about the remuneration. So I guess last word from Dilbert. Um, actually, this is a really hard cartoon to understand, I have to admit, but it's kind of funny when you finally get it. Um, and you know, I think what this is saying is that um, whilst if there's a, that's very tempting to, to leap and hire experience from outside your organisation's approach, senior people from your competitors, but it can be very demotivating for the people who are inside your organisation. So you have to be careful with the proportion here. You can't say we've got a strategy of growing our young people and then turn around and say, actually, we need more managers, we're going to go and hire them from external sources because the people who are sitting at that level below will get a bit fed up with that over time. We have to give them a chance to grow through the organisation as quickly as they feel they can. Do you have any last words, Jenny? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly. <laughs> we have time for a couple of questions. So, okay. Very nice moving on. Um, I just had a quick question in regards to the grow and adapt. I guess in the industry we're seeing a lot of people who are looking to go through like a career change. They've gone off and done some additional study. And I guess it seems to be in a bit of a hybrid between the, the grow and adapt. Have you had yeah. any experience with those sort of hires or any advice around those sort of hires? I think there's a bit of a blurred line there, isn't there? I, th I think when we talk about adapt... We're, and we started thinking more about people in senior positions, so in, in management and leadership positions, um, and whereby you would be looking for someone in that ADAPT strategy who's been in a management or leadership position or with that commercial experience. So out of the three bubbles, you hope for cultural fit, you're looking for that commercial experience in your cross-training domain. Um, there is that grey area where you've got someone who's not just at the very beginning of their career that they've had a few years under their belt um, and they're looking to shift over, and I guess we'd call that more of a grow when they're not expecting to walk into a leadership type position or a senior position straight away. Is that, yeah? Right. Lots of people go off and do short or kind of medium length courses and then 
Yeah, yeah. And I guess I was just interested, I guess that for me is a challenge that I'm going to come into pretty soon. And I'm just wondering, do you go for, yeah, what's your experience been, or have you had that experience in that, in those, those particular candidates? Well, that, no, no, that is quite similar. So, that, so the person that we're talking about here had probably that sort of 10 years experience, <laughs> had gone and, you know, been to Stanford and, and done some learning. Okay. Um, but there is, you know, and I think we see a lot of these people going to uh, General Assembly or something like that and, and cross-training. Um, and there is quite a lot of difference in going and doing a course and getting excited about something versus then obviously practising that day-to-day if you're starting not at the very bottom. Um, so, there is, look, there are risks, but we, we, I think, as Jenny said, we firmly believe in this strategy. I think it's something that we need to do and we really should find, find a way to be more effective at. Um, so, so that's you know, it's something that we're going to learn from our mistake and try and do it better, better next time. Thank you. Um, hi, you, you, you talked about the uh, hiring smart people and uh, bringing them on board and throwing in the deep end, which sounds like fun. Um, <laughs> obviously, a key part of that strategy is uh, pairing them with expen- uh, experienced people. Yeah. Um, can you talk about some of the practices and structures that you have in place with that relationship between the experienced and junior person? How does that work on a day-to-day, week-to-week, quarter-to-quarter type um, scenario? Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, I'll yeah you talk about that. that because... That's actually, we have a sort of subject matter expertise or a SME one where we always, we're not pairing them 100%, but they've got like a percentage of time where they get to talk to somebody, work with someone, test their ideas. The responsibility is on them from day to day, but there's also someone for them to go to who looks at their work, makes sure it's sort of heading in the right direction, gives some guidance, but we actually let them grow themselves rather than manage them up. Does that answer your question? Yeah, there is another structure as well, which is the counselling structure. And so each person in the organisation has a counsellor who is uh, charged with helping them map their growth path through the organisation. And then the SME comes in on a project-by-project basis to help to make sure that the the work's coming out uh, in the right shape. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Um, Question just following on from your ADAPT. And I'm curious about saying, so obviously you did it with George. George didn't work so well. Um, I'm curious as to, so if I've got someone outside coming in, how did you, or how would you do it so that you don't offend them that, hey, you're senior but you're actually quite junior in this? What, what, what have you done? How would you get past that? I don't think offending really came into it. No, I mean, that, that was the terms under which we engaged. Yep. Um, and the story that we were telling each other was that that was, that was the pathway that was going to happen, that this person was going to start at a junior level and grow Within, uh, within the domain. Yeah. Um, but there was still a tension on the other side, and I think that given the title the person was given, um, given the level of seniority they had in past roles, um, I think they felt the pressure to be delivering at a higher level and to be playing a more leadership role sooner than, sooner than they were really genuinely ready. Um, and I think at the end of the day, they weren't as bought into our way of thinking as what we'd imagined and maybe we didn't have enough uh, filtering around that or enough robust discussion about that. The issue is less um, training and more expectation management, more, a bit more discussion around what was happening and just understanding the frustrations of this dissonance that they had and maybe talking about what that felt like and finding ways to negotiate it would have helped a lot. How long it was about? It was nearly six months, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think the... Probably maybe our, both of our expectations were about six months should do it. Um, but, um, but thinking about operating at this more senior level, it wasn't sufficient in this case. Yeah. Yeah.
Actually, instead of asking a question, can I sort of respond to Craig's question? Is that all right? Sure. <laughs> Would you like to come up here? Is that right? Come, come and, uh, no, 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 I guess, I like guess um, the, the, the strategies worked. The, the strategy that's worked for me in the past is if someone's coming in with high expectation as to where they are, but they're clearly, in my eyes, they're in a junior position, make it very clear up front that, you know, there's an assessment process within the first three months or your six-month induction with which you get to prove yourself. And if you do prove yourself, your salary will go up, your responsibilities will go up. But it sort of puts an accountability on them to go, well, you know what, we don't know you. It's, we're testing the water. You're testing us. You've got these three months or six months to really prove yourself and showcase and put clear measurements in place to go, right, this is what I would be expecting if you were thinking you were at that position. And it makes it very clear to them. And sometimes the wake-up call, shit, actually, you're right, Amir, I thought I was here, I'm actually here, it becomes a really seamless conversation. Or if they've proved themselves, they get a nice surprise at the end of the three-month mark. We go, fantastic, you know what? You've exceeded our expectation at that level. You're actually here, and here's, here's how we're going to move forward. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from Managing Design 2017. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.